Good morning, good evening, and good night. Welcome to Arsenic Soap. If this is your first time here, it's a pleasure to meet you. If you're a good old regular, then welcome back. My name is Johanna. And my name is Linnea. Hi guys. Arsenic Soap is a podcast that discusses the six grand M's. And the six grand M's are murder, mystery, monsters, magic, morbidity, and the messed up. So as you can hear, we have a smorgasbord waiting for you guys. Since we couldn't just decide on one morbid topic. That's right. And we'll make sure you get a weekly dose of all that little creepy, eerie, and scary stuff that will keep you awake an extra few minutes every night. That's right. So thank you for listening in and wanting to follow us on this journey. We're just getting started. When churchyards yawn, and hell itself gives up contagion to this world. I'm not crazy. Not easy, Ben. Just relax. I'm a doctor. Okay. Let's do this. Oh, you're recording. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yiddish. I'm sitting silent in my little corner. Yiddish, you. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and hello from the other side to you, Johanna. And hello from the other side to you, Linnea. You got it right this time. Thank you. It's it's really difficult. It's a difficult script. It is. Yes, but it is. the memory is... It's short. It's short. <laughs> so how do you feel this week? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting really excited because we're actually about to start dropping some episodes. <laughs> Did you say, like, drumping? No, dropping. I was like... We're about to we're about to let it drop. <laughs> yeah, you know, like our new single. <gasps> That's gonna my titty just touched the pop filter. Proceed. Uh, our first single will be called Drump, mm-hmm. uh, and that is. So we have a bunch of plans if podcasting fails. So this is plan A. Yeah. Plan B is Arsenic Soap, the band, the duet. Uh, I think it's gonna be gangster rap. Most probably, likely. yeah. That's what we both do best. <laughs> <laughs> Like the whitest of white. <laughs> That's like, I can just see you in the foreground and me doing Zumba in the background. <laughs> this is uh, part of the culture, right? <laughs> Zumba. <laughs> oh, uh, and plan C is um, board game making, which will be a part of plan A probably as well. Yeah. We got big dreams. We got big dreams, big plans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The thing is that I will be a bit disappointed if we don't get to become international singers. Singers? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, Arsenic Soap, the band. Oh, okay. We, I think we're, we're singers, right? Or are we beat? <gasps> we're beatboxers. <laughs> do not do this to our listeners. Ba-ba-boom. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my. You're just digging yourself deeper into this hole right now. I thought that it would sound better the second time around. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It didn't. It, it all happened very quickly. Yeah. Uh, now that that's done, you're welcome. We just flushed our entire <laughs> musical career down the drain. Great job, Lamaya. Like I said a couple episodes ago, it can only go up. This is true. Um, absolutely. No, we're we're gonna try to make our mark on the map. I think we just did. <laughs> so this is actually a true crime week, right? Yeah, we got a true crime week, finally. Finally, we had one so far. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you know, through our 50 episodes, we've already released. <laughs> no, we're on episode five, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so. But time moves really quickly. Like, I keep... <laughs> I keep forgetting what our last episode was, but it was sleep paralysis. Yes, it was. And, and we were both, I di- like I told you, I had sleep paralysis that night. Yeah, I didn't. 
thank the lord but (laughs) but i did but you did yeah but it wasn't uh, anything that upset me it wasn't anything scary i didn't see anything scary for me it was just um i woke up and uh thought or dreamt or saw or what sleep paralyzed (laughs) (laughs) that i went up and took a glass of water and then i went back to bed and then i woke up several times during the night in a frozen state but it wasn't like scary it was just like oh for fuck's sake (laughs) yeah you got mad (laughs) you got mad at your sleep paralysis (laughs) come on guys i mean (laughs) at least throw me some fucking entertainment My sleep process is you doing some gangster rap. <laughs> oh my god. That would be sheer terror. <laughs> yeah. No, but the same night, I told you this, but the same night that we did that episode, I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, guys. <laughs> I was so fucking ready to have a sleep paralysis episode. Yeah. And um, when I was in the bathroom, I was brushing my teeth to go to bed. <laughs> I just I just had this, and I part of the story is that I had watched a movie called Aterados on Netflix that was... Oh, you said that really sex, sexily. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this horrifying horror movie. It was really creepy. And so that kind of added on to my fear of entering sleep paralysis. But when I was in the mirror, I just <laughs> thought about that my sleep paralysis would probably be that guy, that British dude. He wrote this really insane Twitter thread where he basically like told women to just hold their periods in. <laughs> I think it was in like a discussion whether or not tampons and stuff should be free. And he was basically just like, if you can hold in your pee, just fucking hold in your periods. Jesus, it's not that hard. <laughs> and his face w- was what I saw, what my brain just instantly threw at me. When I was like, here we go. I wonder what I'll see in my sleep paralysis. And he just like walks into your room at night and starts like ju- judging and being so disappointed in your f- in my <laughs> menstruation habits. In your menstruation habits, yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, so t- today is um, is true crime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, last time we had a true crime episode, we did hometowns. And what are the, what's the theme today? Sibling crimes, I think. No, well because... <laughs> yes. No, because we, we said that it, the victims didn't have to be like the siblings or the perpetrators didn't have to be the siblings. As long as siblings were involved. Yeah, we just need some kind of sibling relation for it to be valid. Yes. And that we did it. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to do it? I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. Right, this is going to get wacky. What, what, what? <laughs> I have asked you to give me more time, woman. I have given you time enough. So you want to teach me stuff about something? About- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to tell you this really strange story about the murder of Ricardo Duclain and oh. Miriam Kowalsuk. Oh, two people? Yeah. <gasps> oh, whoa, whoa. Now, researching this has been really difficult. Um, there are no exact dates and nowhere I could find like a concrete turn of events to what happened. You're just going to wing it. I'm just going to tell a story that doesn't exist. (laughs) With people who have existed. (laughs) You're going to make everything up. (laughs) No, but I've tried to kind of connect the dots and uh, include everything that I know for a fact happened and tried to kind of compress that information into a sensible text. Just kind of picking from all sources and everything that kind of resonates and is... You're picking them apples and being that apple pie. (laughs) Yeah. That my mama does. But they're apples, nonetheless. (laughs) 
Okay. Most of the information out there is in Spanish because this is an Argentinian case. But I'm going to do my best to tell you the gist of it. That's what I'm here for. The earliest article I can find on this is from September 30th, from 2015. Uh, So I'm assuming that this took place just kind of recently before that. Well, it didn't happen after. Yeah, but I don't think it was a lot before, because then most of the sources are like early October, mid-October. Okay, okay. Uh, So on a late summer day, a relative of the family of six has been trying to get a hold of the parents for almost two weeks with no success. (laughs) Why would you do that? What is that sound? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) You're just on fire today. I I thought you were taking a pause. A pause? A pause. Pause. (laughs) Same pause. Swedish. I thought you were gonna take a pause. I wasn't. And then I was like, I need to make I need to make this sound before she goes to the next sentence. Dun dun dun. No, I understand your reasoning with choosing that sound. <laughs> but we did crash and burn and I apologize. <sighs> Apology accepted. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, so this relative goes to the house. Um they've been trying to get a hold of the family, especially the parents, for like two weeks. And no no success. I'm going to explain the family dynamic here a little bit because it's kind of a mixed family. So Miriam, who's one of the murder victims, she's the biological mother of the oldest son named Leandro. Ooh, that's a pretty name. Leandro. Yeah, it is. Uh, (laughs) Yes, this is factual. (laughs) Uh, He's 25 at the time. And Ricardo is the biological father of Karen, who's 22, when this takes place. So together they have two more children, uh, a pair of 11-year-old twins... So I believe it's safe to assume that the parents have been together for a minimum of 11 years. That means that when they got together, if they got a, if they got together 11 years ago, then Leandro would have been 14 and Karen would have been 11 when their families got together. Okay. Now, the worried relative decides to drop by the family home, which is in a city named Pilar. I don't know how to be how invested to be in the Spanish pronunciation. The thing is that you can only lose in this case because either you're trying too hard by being respectful, like Pilar, or but you're just like, oh, she she hasn't even tried to look it up. Like, I also can't say Pilar. 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 Yeah, it's I don't know. It's a city on the outskirts of Buenos Aires in Argentina. When he's denied entry to the home, he starts becoming suspicious and begins to worry that something might be terribly wrong. So he calls the police to come do a checkup on the home and to make sure that everybody in the household is indeed safe and sound. So police arrive and start talking to the neighbors to kind of find out what's going on. Why, you know, have you guys seen anything, basically? They find out that there's been this fire burning in the family's yard for several days that had let off a horrible smell. And this information, of course, makes the police immediately suspect foul play. Fires have a smell. Burning bodies have a very specific smell. Yeah, it ain't bacon. Yeah. When they finally get a hold of the two oldest siblings, Leandro Acosta and Karen Klein, and they can give them a straight answer. Were they in the house, though, those two? It said that that this relative was denied access. As in, it was locked and nobody... No, Or someone told him you're not allowed in. Denied access, I'm assuming, means that he was turned away. That's the thing, because I'm assuming these reports have been translated. Something might have gone lost in translation then. Exactly, and that's why this has been really difficult to research, because I do not know Spanish. (laughs) 
and uh, I feel like all the articles that I was able to access were pretty much the translated versions of the Spanish articles. Yeah. I'm doing my best. No, no, I'll I'm doing see my that. Best. And that's good. I can see that. I reckon I recognize. <laughs> well, so the two oldest siblings, they can't really give them a they can't give the police a straight answer to their parents' whereabouts. So they're both arrested and taken in for questioning. 11 days prior to this, Leandro calls the police on his parents and accuses them of molesting his 11-year-old siblings. He thereby requests a restraining order, but from all the information I could find, this was never set in motion. Okay. So that's kind of coming to light now that, all right, these people called the cops on their parents, claiming that their parents have been molesting their 11-year-old brother and sister. So as the police search the house and the surrounding area, they find... You ready for this? Strap myself in and call me a booty. (laughs) Part of a female hip bone and spine in a paint bucket on the porch. Wait, what? Where am I going to put this hip bone and where am I going to put this vertebrae? I got a great paint bucket for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the case in my, like... I don't really know. Inside the home, they find that the master bedroom is empty and the mattress is missing from the bed. This is later found out to have been burnt. The, you mean the mattress has the been mattress, burnt? The mattress, yes. Okay. They also find three, I repeat, three recently purchased hatchets. No one okay. needs that many hatchets. Also, a fucking hatchet? Do you know how... A hatchet is pretty small. Why not an axe? Well, I guess axes are like or too suspect. Or I don't <laughs> they're know. Like, no, no. Three, instead of like one really solid, awesome axe, they're like, well, three hatchets. That's No strange. one has that many hands. No. And it's like, are you collecting them? Are you, do you need to buy three of everything? And why three? I'm assuming because they're two people. I don't know, man. I don't know. The worst <laughs> part like- is that they don't even use it. Well, that's not the worst part, but you know. <laughs> You're so disappointed that they... Well, they wasted a lot of money on this murder. I don't get it. They find, like I said, the three newly purchased hatchets. In addition, they find 5,000 pounds, a machete, a shotgun, and a 9mm pistol. If you have a fucking machete, then don't buy hatchets. If you have a shotgun, don't buy hatchets. Why did you buy the hatchets? I don't know. I'm starting to wonder, what is a hatchet? (laughs) I've said it so many times now. Now, in an alley nearby the house where there's, like, trash disposal units, they find a large number of black plastic bags containing additional body parts. (laughs) For fuck's sake, people. However, these only contain bits and pieces that forensics find to be from a female victim. And I think they said, like, 16 plastic bags. Like, it was a lot of fucking bags. Why... That's the thing. Why don't you dispose of the entire body when you're going to place 16 body parts beside each other? Do you want it just to be a puzzle and like, oh, collect all... Did you say 16 body parts? Didn't you say 16 body parts? No, I said 16 trash bags. Well, I'm assuming there's a body part in each. (laughs) Just one. Just one. (laughs) Well, okay, I get it now. (laughs) I was like, what 
fuck? She said 16 bags. What's her problem? <laughs> Several body parts in 16 bags. If you're gonna put everything together when you throw it away, then what are you doing, dude? First of all, I don't think that they put everything together because as it turns out, there's a lot of fucking bits and pieces missing. I just have to say, yours in my case, it's pretty much verbatim. Exactly. Seriously? The same. Yeah, pretty much. Almost. Yeah. All right. I, I just have some water involved. <laughs> all right. Let's let's spin this a little bit. Then okay, okay. Because okay. this gets really fucked up. Okay. So what the fuck happened? This relative is like, oh, I haven't heard from my brother and sister-in-law in, -law in uh, two weeks. Gotta go to their house. So from what I understand, after the arrest, the confessions must have happened rather quickly because Karen is actually released fairly soon after her arrest. Both of the siblings share two similar yet different versions of what happened and all information I can find on this is what their legal teams have shared with the public. Now, Leandro displays absolutely zero remorse, which is probably why he's so keen on confessing, because he fully stands for his actions. And he shares his side of the story from inside a special psychiatric clinic where he was being held for, quote, being haunted by voices. Oh, that's never a good sign. And I assume authorities clearly did not see that he was mentally fit to stand trial, which is why I, don't, I can't find any sentence for him. So... According to Leandro, his stepfather has been sexually abusing him since he was six years old. My vocal fry today is happening. <laughs> I'm just in solid vocal fry mode. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't hear anything wrong with what you just said. Really? No. All right. Not that his dad has been molesting him since he was oh, six. Oh, no, no. That... <laughs> I, I'm totally up for the I molestation. See nothing wrong. <laughs> I don't understand why you're judging him. <laughs> um... But then, so I guess, then it's even earlier that the families came together. If his stepfather had access to him at six, they must have gotten together when the sister, Karen, was only three, if not sooner. And the reason I keep focusing on how old Leandro and Karen were when they became step-siblings is because, according to the both of them, when the incident took place, they had been involved in a mm -hmm. sexual relationship with each other for over six years. Oh, this isn't sexy math at all. Oh, now, no. I see this kind of labeled as incest in a lot of headlines. And I don't know if you can do that because technically they're not related. But incest does sell. Incest sells. And we will be talking about that type of journalism a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean, they did grow up together. I mean, it's nasty, but it's not illegal if we put it at that. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it incredibly weird. Because, I mean, their kids aren't going to have 40 eyeballs. You know, like my youngest sister is six years younger than me. Yes. And say that she was born and she was three years old when she was born. Yes. Like that kind of makes it. You know, like, if he's had her as a little sister since he was six. When did looking at her change into, well, she's a sexual thing. And when did she looking at him change? Because this has been a consensual relationship. They refer to each other as lovers. Don't ever, okay, people, don't ever do that to your sibling, even if they're your step-sibling. Never call them your lover, just like out of, I mean, you can sleep with them, just don't call them your lover. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I have opinions about this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I'd be able to kind of let it go if the parents got together when the sibling, when the step siblings were already adults. Absolutely. You know, and they just kind of fell for each other because their, that their is parents like, got together. Yeah, that's the plot line of Gossip Girl, like season one, two. <laughs> I didn't know that, but thank you. I mean, maybe not the plot line, but it is definitely an issue. <laughs> and they're so bitchy to each other. All the fucking time. Yeah. XOXO. Yeah, but fuck, man, that's, that's too much of a sibling integration for anybody to but feel I- comfortable about them doing the diddlies yeah but it's like i'm thinking about the brady bunch here's a story of a lovely do you know what i'm talking about or i know the I just brady bunch singing? i just don't know what it is well, i know what it is like, i just never yeah well it. she's she's arriving with three girls he's arriving with three boys and now they're a family and then the Brady bunch and i mean i don't know how old Marsha and i think she's the oldest one is Marsha. yeah and the oldest son is let's say they're 14 mm. I mean, it would be the nastiest thing in cinema TV history to see those two get together. But it's also because they're so pure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I saw this comment because I don't have any step-siblings, but where people were discussing this case and someone was pointing out that like, well, it's not technically incest because they're not actually related and then another guy was like trust me i have two stepsisters it is definitely not fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) but i guess it does uh, depend on if they grew up together and does it legally make any difference if the parents have gotten married i don't know and i don't think they did either because i couldn't i saw the woman the mother referred to as his partner adicato's partner so i don't think that they were actually legally married okay okay so Leandro, he claims that his father has been raping him as well as involved him in threesomes since he was a little boy. Wait, threesomes? Yeah. Oh, threesomes. I was... What were you thinking it was? I, he had involved him in three sums. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, threesomes. Oh, okay. Since he was a little boy. With the mother then? I don't know. It didn't say that that was the case and i don't think so because i feel like that would have been included but the mother had had plenty of lovers who also subjected him to sexual abuse so he really fucking had a hard ass time growing up in this household where he was not being protected i don't mean to blame the victim but do we know that this is true and i mean the dude is hearing voices so something's up yeah but it sounds like he's hearing voices because he's kind of been abused so yeah he's okay and because the brothers of the father they kind of weigh in a little bit in the media okay so they seem to kind of not the family's dirty secret sort of well not necessarily but more like it's not like they're denying it okay 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 or standing up for his reputation or anything like that i get you yeah so when they find out that their 11-year-old siblings have also started being victimized by the father leandro decides that he's gonna have to kill him naturally yeah uh that is the only solution to this problem well i mean i get it i don't get the rest of what's gonna happen but let me get there well according to him both leandro and karen are the ones to plan the murder but in karen's own version of events she only helped her stepbrother and lover clean up after the murder happened which she claims to have been oblivious to by the way she claims to be oblivious to the murder she cleaned up no, no, no. She, at the time of the murder, she claims that she didn't know that, that there was going to be a murder. So she claims that Leandro had threatened to kill her if she didn't go along and help him destroy the evidence. Either way, Leandro waits for the twins to leave for school. He goes to his father's bedside and Ricardo is still sleeping in his underwear at this point. Why did you add the underwear part? 
it seemed to be something that was vital in the texts that I found on it. Are it was you, very are specified. You serious? Is that something they made sure to add? Yeah, uh, it might have to do with the fact that he shoots him point blank in the head, and suddenly he's aroused. Wait, what? So he starts sexually violating his dead stepfather's Wait, what? body. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, so he starts... It says sexually violating his dead stepfather. I don't know technically what he was doing, if he was raping him. But it also said acts of necrophilia, so... What is an act of necrophilia? Because it is the act of having sex with a body, but does, like, just giving a weird hand job to a body, is that called necrophilia? I don't know, and then that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like there's a difference between quote-unquote giving the dead body sexual pleasure and like pleasuring yourself with the dead body by like fucking it i don't know if because if you're are we jacking looking- off a dead body like what is that gonna do for you i don't know because for a second i thought if you shot it that was enough <laughs> <laughs> no Clearly it's not. very interesting it's very interesting no but this with necrophilia is very interesting though because i don't know where it's actually called necrophilia when you it's start, it starts getting called necrophilia yeah is it by the point of penetration you know no, that doesn't no that doesn't make any difference but i was thinking like if we're, we're talking about live humans now when does it count that you've had when you can you see that you've had sex is it only through penetration or like oral shit because that's the thing too like i feel like all sexual acts should be called having sex okay because if you only count penetration as sex then you're practically saying that pretty much every gold star lesbian is a virgin oh, that's true and you know that makes no sense so i don't understand why there has to be a dick involved for for one to lose their virginity or like to have sex virginity is not a thing i'm th- i'm that person no <laughs> you're right you're absolutely um, right for me or yeah oral sex is definitely sex yeah but also hand stuff i mean i see that more as like a sexual i don't see it as sex but i see it as a sexual thing <laughs> oh crap that's because fingering yeah that's that's penetration. Like penetration i mean okay this is a tangent we need to yeah, go but we, like a hand job okay that's so, hand stuff yeah okay. is that having sex yeah I, yeah I think it is. yeah i don't know i'm very confused <laughs> i'm thinking do we need to label it but okay so he's maybe jacking off his dead dad or he's, well, that was your <laughs> interpretation i'm we, trying to i'm trying to create the image in my head and we i don't know he might actually be fucking his father i don't really know oh my god the thing is that i was i i, I had this visual thing in my head that like does he turn his father around and then just like push his penis into the ass or it's possible seeing as you know he says that he's been raped by his father and i'm assuming that you know the difference between being molested and being raped in this case kind of refers to being penetrated yeah so i guess that maybe this was his way to kind of turn the tables on his dad or stepdad but it doesn't really matter i mean yeah soul father for Says he was six at least. I don't want to be there, but I want to know what happened. I want, because I know, That's I know it sounds so really sick, but I do want to know what happened and understand it. That's what's so frustrating about this fucking case that it's like so limited with information and it happened four years ago so there should be at least a little bit of a follow-up but i can't find anything and i'm thinking if they want to make like juicy headlines then focus on this part yeah they did <laughs> incestuous step siblings fuck dead dad yeah as he's doing this violating his dead stepfather's body 
his mother walks in on him. <gasps> oh no, that's <laughs> and apparently exclaims, "What are you doing, you son of a bitch?" Which, come on, is kind of funny for a mother to say to her son because, like, you're insulting yourself. <laughs> that's what you were thinking. I was just like, "Yeah, well, that sounds legit," and it sounds like a lot of things to say in that moment. What are you doing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> it's just like so long and prolonged. <laughs> Well, again, this is translated, so this was probably said in Spanish. Or she just went full-on American. What are you doing, you son of a bitch? (laughs) All of a sudden. Uh, Well, Leandro responds by shooting his mother in the head, followed by another two shots to her body. While this doesn't seem to have been according to plan, Leandro expresses no remorse for his mother's murder. He said, she was a whore and a drunkard. I did justice my way. Probably in reference to her having lovers who, in their turn, also sexually abused him as he was growing up. Yeah, it's all very problematic. After the killings, the bodies were then transported in a wheelbarrow to a different part of the house where he dealt with the bodies. Now, what's interesting is that the sister, Karen, must have done most of the transporting of the bodies as well as the cover-up herself. Because, you see, Leandro is disabled and dependent on his wheelchair. Wait, 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 what, what? He also has an intestinal disease that has forced him to wear a colostomy bag for the majority of his life. Wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, 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 Leandro is the, the son, right? Yeah who admits to have shot both his dad and his And he's his in mom. a wheelchair. Yep. I don't know how the necrophilia happened either. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. The puzzle pieces aren't working. That was a twist, and I really appreciate the twist. Thank you. But it adds a bit of what the fuck. Right? To a what the fuck situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she must have been responsible for a lot more than just the cleanup. I'm sorry, but she may have been like involved in the necrophilia as well, then like just helped him onto the bed i'm so sorry (laughs) i just i don't know after the murders is when the call to authorities is placed where leandro reports his parents for molesting their two younger siblings that i referred to in the beginning remember yeah and the restraining order is requested then he goes to work and karen goes to yoga class wait she went to yoga class Hmm. she was feeling a little bit stressed So for 11 days, the bodies of Ricardo Klein and Miriam Kowalsuk are violently defaced. Leandro claims that he beat both of the bodies, crushed the skulls, and even impaled his mother's body on a spike and committed quote-unquote indecent acts over the corpse. Oh, for fuck's sake. Which I'm assuming this, that he jerked off on her. Or just fucked her, dead body. But it said over the corpse. Oh, over the corpse. Indecent acts over the corpse. Okay. uh, Oh my god, it's just so... In my mind, he he jerked off and came on his mom. The thing is that I can't get with a program anymore. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I mean, like, in the beginning, you're like, oh, he was molested. I feel sorry for him. But now he's like, you're missing something in there. Right? Like, that's what's so fucked up. Because somehow, you know, like, the discussions regarding this case has been, is this vengeance or is this justified? Like, is this... The thing is, it wasn't in the heat of a moment. This was planned, so already there even if uh, his parents had been assholes uh, and uh, that's the nicest thing you could call them maybe yeah um but then also the there's a sickness to it and that is the fact that he's fucking he fucked his dad or whatever he did and then he's jerking off 
over his mom and it's been 11 days and just the over and the overly violent yeah and uh, treatment of their already dead bodies but also his siblings his two younger siblings the bodies are still in the house yeah so there's a smell probably because a body starts smelling already like a few hours after and so has he locked them into like a room or something it said that they were transported to a different part of the house are they living in a castle no well there must have been an awful lot of cutting up the bodies seeing as parts of the mother were found in paint buckets and because karen lights this pyre where leandro later cooks parts of its stepfather and eats his flesh UK baby. I'm like not not even surprised anymore. Uh, I don't at this point I cannot be surprised. <laughs> now he describes this act as orgasmic. He says it tasted like pork, a tad salty, but delicious. So Karen's cleanup must have extended to burning the bodies because building the pyre is something that Leandro was simply too weak to do. However, Authorities found that there wasn't enough evidence to charge Karen for the murder or any assistance. So she's released approximately a month after the arrest. And listen, I don't know Argentinian law, but what the fuck? <laughs> There's just so many aspects. So we have necrophilia, incest, and cannibalism now. Yep. And then we add that he's in a wheelchair. Well, because also, like, they keep talking about this uh, colostomy bag that he has this intestinal issue that even if he can get up and stand on his two feet, he's very weak and he's very sickly. So, you know, this is a lot of fucking work. Well, Ricardo, the father, his body still hasn't been found from the last article I read. While I personally don't believe that he snacked up his entire father's body, Leandro has also admitted that he fed the six family dogs plenty of the flesh that they didn't burn. That does make sense, though. Yeah. But also, you know, they did burn a lot of the bodies, and it's possible that it was too charred to identify. So apparently, Ricardo's two brothers have weighed in plenty on the case in the media and said things like, quote, my brother was a tough character. That's kind. But Leandro always answered back. Money was always the issue. And quote, my brother was a difficult man with little time for his children. There's always been resentment between him and his stepson. And I believe that this was a long time coming. Leandro claims that his disabilities clearly prevented him from working and bringing in any significant finances to the household. Mm -hmm. And this seems to be like a really big source of the resentment that had built up between the two. Apparently, his stepfather would harass him and, like, hound him for it. Yeah. Um, there was also, like, this reference to him being so relieved that, like, he left the state of submission that he's felt for so long. So I'm assuming that his father was, like, very dominating and just kind of like a bully. Yeah. So the 11-year-old siblings, well, Ricardo's brother didn't want him. Okay. And apparently this was a relief to Leandro who had manically repeated, not the clients, not the clients. Probably fearing that his step-uncles would treat them like his stepfather did him. I don't know if he has grounds for this, but they were both placed with social services. What happened to Leandro, I unfortunately have no clear information on. I believe, however, that it is plausible that he is placed in a facility for the criminally insane. Investigators first suspected that he had gone through with the murders for money and in order to, like, keep the house for himself. 
Mm, that does not sound. It seems more likely that it's plausible. a long time coming type of thing where years of sexual abuse play a huge part. Yeah. So I'm going to end this with a quote from Leandro's lawyer. So she says, Leandro Costa does not feel remorse and in fact describes a state of relief for a burden that he has felt since childhood. And I am so sorry that I don't have more than that, but that is what we got. I find no records, I find no court documents, I only have like 15 different articles from 15 different websites, like newspaper websites, and they were basically like recycling the same information. Mm. And there's not really been any more details published on the case, at least not in, in English. I mean, I get why it might not be that published because they know who the murderer is. I mean, he confessed immediately. I mean, it's case closed pretty doggone fast. There's a lot of shit that's really unclear, but the gist of it is pretty darn fucking clear. I don't know. Is I it mean, just... he checked so many boxes. <laughs> I mean, most of them, honestly. Yeah, I mean... The only part missing is, like, bestiality. Yeah, and I mean, the dogs did eat the flesh of the father. It's not bestiality. Oh, God, that sounded so, that sounded so religious. <laughs> the hounds feasted upon the flesh of the father. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't have more. Uh, we're going to do your case, but first I have to go pee. I also have to pee. Okay, let's okay. do that then. So, in a moment. In a moment, we're going to rock and roll. <laughs> and it provided an excuse for their unbridled lust and perverted sex. So we have now peed. Yes. And you and have, have a cup stocked co- up on coffee. And you're just leaning back, prepared to be told a story. Oh, God, it's so good to have it done. I've got to be honest with you. I do get that, that whole just having it done. So I'm very unhappy with my situation. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But are you really? No. <laughs> okay, I'd like to preface this by saying, so this is going to take place in Ireland. Ireland? Ireland. There are a lot of names and stuff. It's really difficult to get the names right because mm-hmm. different dialects say the words differently as well. So even if you look it up, like um, people pronounce the things differently. So I just want to ask you, have you heard of this case before? You haven't told me what it is. <laughs> Have you heard of any case ever, Johanna? <laughs> no. Okay, it's called A Foot in the Canal. <laughs> a Foot in the Canal? Yes, this is what uh, the name I have dubbed it to be. All right, you named it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I thought, it, let's, let's feel it crazy, you know? Mm. Okay, then. On March 30th, 2005, a passerby suddenly notices something odd floating in Dublin's Royal Canal. I just realized that I sort of spoiled the entire thing, right? By giving you the title. <laughs> what? What floated in the canal? I don't know. We'll see in a few seconds. We're almost there. (laughs) A canal... Okay. (laughs) So, something odd floating in Dublin's Royal Canal, which is a canal close to Croke Park. At first, it's thought that it's a mannequin, naturally. But on further inspection, they notice that it's a left leg with a perfectly placed sock still on it. Wait, perfectly placed? What does that even mean? I I just want to... I like the peas. The perfectly Perfectly placed placed sock. So, it's it's just a sock on a foot. (laughs) Okay, so naturally, the Garda, which is the police in the Republic of Ireland. Okay, so some people say Garda. Uh, some people say Gardai. Some people say Gardi. Uh, some people say Gada. So I'm going to say Garda because I have an American dialect and I don't know stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so naturally, the Garda, which is, as I said, the police of Ireland, was notified and a Garda sub-aqua diver team was sent in to trawl and retrieve any more body parts. You know, if there were any just strolling back. Find 
yeah, you know, the other sock. That goddamn sock. They gotta find the other sock. <laughs> God, that's the worst when you only find one. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's attached to a foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not yours. <laughs> okay, and they did find more body parts. Soon some arms, some legs, and yes, a mutilated torso oh. were discovered. Mm-hmm. And total seven body parts were found, and this finding opened the door to what would be dubbed as one of the worst crimes in Dublin's history. Some people say the worst crime in Ireland's history as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the presiding judge at the subsequent trial called the case the most grotesque killing that has occurred in my professional career. So, I would like to introduce the characters in this very true story and sort of let you know, f- like, follow the plot in real time. Why did you feel the need to say very true story? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's because I wanted to build suspense. <laughs> I wanted to build the suspense. The story is very, very true, and I did not make it up, and it's true. <laughs> Okay, so the Mohal family were from Kilcare Gardens, which was a working class area in Talacht in South Dublin. Some say Talat. Some say Tala. I will say Talacht. <laughs> Luckily, I think I only have to say it twice in the story. Good. <laughs> the parents of the family were John and Kathleen Mohal, and they had three boys and three girls. The kids had a very troubled childhood. It was a chaotic household, and there was a quite a lot of alcohol and drug abuse going on. Mm-hmm. During their trial, the Garda described the kids' upbringing as troubled and tough. John, the father, was allegedly abusive towards his wife, Kathleen, throughout their entire marriage, which finally completely broke down. In 2002, Kathleen entered into a relationship with a 35-year-old Farah Swala Noor. Okay. That's a name? It's one person, but three names. Okay. Can you say the name again? Why would you do that to me? (laughs) (laughs) Farah Swala... Fuck you. <laughs> Farah Swala Noor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kathleen moved Farah into his, their family home while John was still living at the house. Naturally, this caused a huge division in the family, and obviously the children were split between which parent to support. Mm. And for some time, they lived together in the family home until Kathleen moved to court to start a new life with Farah. Kathleen and Farah's relationship was tumultuous and very violent. And later, after the murder, a vast collection of medical reports came out proving that Kathleen had gotten treatment for two broken wrists, broken fingers, and broken ribs. All these in correlation to assaults from Farah. Kathleen had also been raped by Farah on numerous occasions. (sighs) Fuck that. Farah Swellenur. It's it's difficult. He's a piece of shit, so it doesn't matter anymore anyway. Aw, that's so true. Thank you for saying that. Uh, arrived in Dublin in December 1996. Oh yeah, this is just this is about what a piece of shit he is. This mm. entire part now. Good. So you can just hate him already. I'm already seething with hatred. Oh yeah, be prepared. At the time he claimed, well, when he arrived to Dublin, uh, at the time he claimed that he was named Shalila Salim and had left war-torn Somalia because his wife and children had been murdered in Mogadishu during the Somali Civil War. Subsequent investigations revealed that he was in fact Kenyan and that his family was still alive. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And that he had just abandoned them. Cool. Yeah. And the Department of Justice, Equality, and Law Reform ordered that he be deported, but he appealed and was granted Irish citizenship in March 1999 on the grounds that he was the father of an Irish-born child. So let's talk about that. Okay. Yes. Very soon after arriving, Farah had stacked up a solid pile of convictions and offenses in Ireland. Farah was a violent man with serious sexual deviances. He liked really young and vulnerable girls who he could take advantage of. Two of these girls, who later came forward, one was only 16 at the time he took advantage of her. The other girl, who was mentally disabled, he raped and impregnated, and she later gave birth to a son. God. 
In the articles I've read, it says that he was in relationships with these girls. That doesn't change the rape naturally, but I want to say that it was like a prolonged and viral relationship. Yeah. Um, where he just beat them and raped them. He treated women as objects rather than human beings. Well, less than objects. Yeah, less. Uh, one of the girls that came forward stated that Farah had raped her on several occasions and that he was into very brutal sex. She was forced to have sex with him at any time or anywhere he wanted it. She said in court that she feared that one day he might kill her. Later on, Kathleen had actually contacted this girl, complaining about Farah and seeking her advice, which was, leave him, just mm. do it. Not only that, but on one occasion, when the girl's son had been to visit Farah, he came back with cigarette burns. She also noticed a change in her son, that he was acting in a really sexual manner, and sex was nothing that she had ever talked to him about. Mm -hmm. How old was he? I don't know that. I couldn't find any information. Mm. But if we're thinking... Farah came in 1999, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so the child cannot have been more than six years old. Yeah. I'm really proud of that math. Good job. Thank you. Okay. In total, this dreamboat had four previous convictions for offenses including intoxication, threatening, and abusive behavior, and assault. He had faced eight charges of disorder and assault, one involving a sexual assault in which a knife was found at the scene by the Garda. He was convicted on three occasions but never served time in jail, and the Garda described him as particularly violent towards women. And to top it all off, he was obsessed and collected knives, and he used these knives to threaten and attack his partners. Ew, what the fuck is that about? Why can't you just get, like, a hobby and put all your time and effort into that? Yeah, start collecting stamps. Stamps are good. Stamps are fine. Stamps are sweet. Stamps are kind. Or magic cards. Magic cards are good. And they're f they can't hurt. They can't kill. Unless you're Gambit when you, like, throw cards. Okay. Okay, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would like to introduce two other characters to the story. Kathleen's two daughters, Linda Mulhall and Charlotte Mulhall. Okay. Both followed in their mother's footsteps when it came to drugs and alcohol, but even when it came to domestic abuse. Linda was 30 years old in 2005 when they found the foot. She was a mother of four. Her relationship with the father to the children had not worked out, so she was a single mother. She was unemployed, and she had a history of alcohol abuse and started using heroin at a really, really young age. That's rough. Mm -hmm. And she had one previous conviction in 1993 for larceny. So she had an extremely dysfunctional relationship with a man named Wayne Kinsella, who abused them and on one occasion beat the children with an electrical flex. This abuse was later investigated, and the children were taken into care by social services, yeah. while Kinsella was sentenced to six years in prison for the cruelty. Kinsella later went on to become a murderer, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah, and landed himself in prison again. <laughs> but this is not the murder. This is not the murder. <laughs> but according to people that knew Linda, they did say that she was a really good mother and she re was regarded as very protective of her children. And she's described as really doing her best and doing what she could under very limited circumstances. She was pretty much set up for failure, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we have Sister Nomatois. Mm -hmm. Charlotte Mulhall, who was 21 years old in 2005. Very much like her sister, she had a history of drug and alcohol abuse. She also had a number of minor previous convictions for criminal damage and public order offenses and was charged with criminal damage and given the Probation Act in October 2005. She was also involved in sex work. Mm. On the 20th of March 2005, Linda and Charlotte met up with their mother and Farah in Dublin City Center. Linda initially didn't want to go into town, but Charlotte persuaded her to go, claiming it would be m much more fun than going to a bar or something. Yeah. When they all met up, Farah bought some vodka and Kathleen purchased some Coca-Cola, which they drank publicly as they strolled around the city. 
bumping into several friends and acquaintances on their way. They then stopped on the River Liffey boardwalk, where Charlotte and her mother took some ecstasy. I did not mean to laugh when I said that. <laughs> you were just really proud that you yeah. pronounced Liffey. Yeah. <laughs> ecstasy. 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 They later went back to an apartment Kathleen was renting in a house on Richmond Cottage's Summerhill. Here, the drinking and partaking of drugs continued, and Kathleen crushed a tablet into Farah's drink, so they were all on the, say, buzz. Okay. Since Farah had sort of been a bummer during the day. Did he know? I don't think so, because it doesn't sound like it. So, at this part of the story, what do you think is going to happen? Because someone is going to be dead at the end of this day. And I don't believe you've gendered the body parts Exactly. It was a mutilated torso. Exactly. Because originally I felt like it was pretty likely that this mother was going to be the victim of Farah. Mm-hmm. But then again, this is a siblings. We're talking about siblings here. Mm-hmm. I mean, either way they're involved, but maybe one sibling is dead. Maybe. Ooh. I know, right? And the mother, maybe Farah. Who, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't mind if it was Farah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to guess. I think it's Farah. Okay. Who's the victim? Who's the victim? Okay. Ish. Ish. Mm. Okay, victim-ish. I mean, it's solely my judgment. (laughs) Okay. This is when things started to turn nasty. Linda and Farah were sitting on a two-seater couch with Charlotte sitting on the arm. According to other sources, Linda was sitting on Charlotte's lap and they were all listening to a CD. Right? This is when Farah came in and started touching Linda in a sexual way. Mm. He pulled her close to him and whispered into her ear. Linda couldn't exactly hear what he said, but she knew it was really, really dirty. It caused her to shiver. And he then went on to say something about them being creatures of the night. Farah was holding Linda around the waist and refusing to let go. He then said, you're so like your mammy. Ew! Mm. Allegedly, this is going to be a lot of allegedly, okay? Mm. Allegedly, he advanced to trying to rape her. Kathleen comes in and sees this and says, what the fuck are you doing? And then starts to scream at him and lunges at him, but he punches her. This is where Kathleen was alleged to have instructed the sister to just just kill him for me. Mm. Or she said, he's going to kill me. Charlotte then began screaming and yelling and telling him to take his hands off her sister. Allegedly, the next thing that happened was that Charlotte then picked up a box cutting knife, which was lying on the counter and sliced Farah's throat. He staggered through to the bedroom and hit his head on the bunk bed, knocking himself out cold. Fool. At this time, all were super drug-induced and very, 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 very drunk, panicked, and enraged. So Linda started attacking his head with a hammer. Yeah, as one does. As one does. And Charlotte continued to stab him approximately 22 to 27 times. With the box cutter? Somehow went from the box cutter to a kitchen knife. To a dull kitchen knife, I might add. Yes. And Linda hit him so hard with that hammer that there were marks on the floor. So... I'm assuming the hammer went through his head, but I'm not sure. And Charlotte stabbed him so fiercely that she severed his kidneys and punctured both his lungs. Oh, yeah, he has no shot. Yeah, and as he lay dying, he whispered Katie, which was his pet name for Kathleen. Their mother just looked on, but did not participate. When they had officially understood that he was super dead, Mm. yeah, Charlotte told her mother about, well, you know, he's dead now. Her mother just shouted, get him out. Yeah. So this is when they dragged his body into the bathroom by the legs. And uh, this is where they decided to chop him up. So we have very similar stories. Yeah. 
Linda stood in a daze and watched as her sister started sawing off his legs with a dull knife. Oh my god. Using brute force, they began trying to cut him apart and they didn't really have any good tools for this, so they spent hours just sawing with knives at sinews and bone matter. They also smashed his bones with a hammer. Honestly, that's like your best bet. If you got a fucking dull kitchen knife at hand, you're probably going to do better with a hammer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they smashed his bones with a ham- the hammer they had so they could dislocate his head from his torso. Yeah. Linda said later in a statement she gave to the guardie that she had used a hammer to hit his legs a number of times and that they had put towels over the legs to stop the blood from just gushing out. She explained the smell was, it won't go away. I think about it every night. Apparently his body gave off a stench that was just so bad. And I didn't know that a fresh body could smell. Probably just his rotten personality. Oh! No, but honestly, like, because I understand, yeah, blood, blood has a very strange Yeah, smell. so it might just be the mixture, or I think maybe they could have gotten into his, like, um, his uh, stomach yeah, or something true. like that. That's possible. Yeah, and the intestines and everything. Yeah. Still high on drugs and still with a large amount of alcohol in their systems, they would take turns for hours since it was just such hard work. They would frantically push blood down the sink while in the shower, and the room was just saturated in blood. We're talking maybe six liters of blood in a very, very small bathroom. Yeah. They then went on to cutting his penis off after Kathleen had remarked how he had raped her. They finally began packing those parts into plastic bags, black mm. plastic bags. Linda later also explained how she couldn't look at his decapitated head because it was looking at her. So Ooh. she wrapped it in a towel. And I wonder how much was actually making sense to them because they were so just drugged out of their minds and how much they could actually contemplate. Yeah, but also I guess, you know, they're really angry at this man. Oh yeah, exactly. They're like blind with rage as well. Yeah, and I can kind of understand that vengeance sensation, but also like being horrified of this man because of all the things he has done and said. And just, you know, that there are people who are like that. They don't just give you the creeps. They are very threatening. So by morning, they decided that they needed some assistance in removing the evidence. That task, they well, they put that on their father, mm. who they then called. Uh, John went down to the house and was absolutely horrified by what he saw and left immediately. However, yeah, that's what I would do too. <laughs> like you girls, uh, <laughs> you guys, you girls deal with this. <laughs> you guys put yourself in a little pickle. Uh, <laughs> However, he did come back (laughs) and told the women that he didn't want any part of it. But yeah, somehow he changed his mind again. (laughs) I can also understand how it would be hard to kind of leave your kids like that. Um, He did change his mind and he did help them in getting rid of the contents of that flat. And he disposed of all the things that they used to like tidy up and all the blood saturated materials. So the next step was then to dispose of the body. Well, the body bags, Mm. uh, which uh, these very drunken high women did by packing the body parts into trash bags and sports bags and disposing them into the Royal Canal. It took several trips to get rid of all the parts, and they decided not to throw the head in just so he couldn't be identified. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and they did not throw the penis in as well. Oh. (laughs) No. (laughs) They then, or some days later, it's really difficult to know, jumped on a bus with a head in tow. (laughs) Okay. uh, That brought them to Talacht, where they walked with a bag through the shopping square to Tim and North Park. They walked around for what felt like ages arguing about where to bury the head. So fed up, Charlotte just dropped the crown by a bench and started digging a hole. All right. And the hole was tiny. And she just planted the head right in. <laughs> and the head was actually protruding out of the earth. <laughs> 
and they just they were fighting so much that they just left it <laughs> i'm not i feel like cackling at that is wrong but, but it, it's it's so ridiculous but it it points to the state of mind yeah and how they're just not there in the head at this moment and also you know like it's not just that they're high it's also that they've been drug users for so long yeah it's just so ridiculous it sounds like a plot it's like, like, like a tarantino a Co- film or no, no like a, a coen, coen brothers, brothers. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of disgusting yeah. um but yeah yeah it's just so what the fuck yeah so Linda explained that she and her mother then later threw the knives and hammer into some water nearby. Later on, a very curious member of the public had spotted the head seeking up from the ground in the park. So he contacted St. Dublin County Council to ask them about it, and the rangers there had actually seen it. What? And they reassured him it wasn't a head. <laughs> oh my god. Right. So this is actually a thing, and they were like, no, no, it's not a head. We're pretty sure it's not a head, but I'm pretty sure it's a head. I just, I was in a park Um, and there's a head sticking out of the ground. Do you know anything about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a head. (laughs) We're like 99% sure. We're not, it's not a head, dude. (laughs) 95. 96. It's just. Okay. So it was then major time for major cleanup. And to make sure that there was not a speck of blood, they meticulously cleaned the place with bleach. Despite the night that had gone on and the amount of drinking and the vast amount of blood and tissue and everything, they were actually able to do quite an oppressive cleanup. The following days were difficult for Linda and something kept gnawing at her to go back to that park. Mm. So Linda allegedly returned to the park and dug up the head. She then tucked it snugly into her son's school bag and transferred it to another field in the same area, where she stayed in the field for some time drinking a bottle of vodka. She concluded by kissing the bag before citing a prayer and apologizing to Farah. She then went on to either bury it again, or according to her, she broke apart the head even more with a hammer and then burnt it. Linda has later admitted, though, that she uh, had put the head in rubbish bins around Phoenix Park. Mm. I've been saying allegedly because, well, no one's ever found the head or the penis. Yeah. Or the penis. Yeah. They've never been found, so no one really actually knows what happened to Mm. those parts. I probably put the dick just in my normal trash. With, like, with with or not. Would you tie the penis into a knot? Is that... (laughs) Would you put it in like the organic materials, or would you just throw it in the uh, the compost, or like? No, no, no. Did... I would I would put it in the in the uh, for burning. Okay. I think I would put it in tin foil. I was thinking plastic bag. No, no, no. I white tin foil. To- I think cause like a baked potato. Smell, yeah, I think just to kind of protect from smell, mm-hmm. but like really snug. Oh yeah. Like, and then yeah. I would like a pig in a blanket. Yeah, I would really really rinse it though, so that there was like not. You'd clean blood. the penis. Yeah. I would probably, like, slice it up into, like, little coins. Is that better? I mean, I feel like I can kind of... It's harder to know what it is. Okay. If it's just, like, little chorizo bites. Mm-hmm. I should probably stop talking. A moment for Farah. <laughs> no, fuck him. He doesn't okay. get a moment. <laughs> okay, so March was beginning to sink in, and the following days and memories were a torment for Linda, who went on to a really big drinking binge and just drug binge in the coming days. And she just wanted to block out the memories. Yeah. They all just, and they actually, all three of them fell into drinking more and more and taking drugs and just pushing away what happened. But then, 10 days later, 
a leg with a sock was found floating in the waters of the Royal Canal. Yep. So, the Royal Canal is not the place you should dump body parts if you want to get away with murder. People walk past there every day, and indeed, a number of passersby had already seen what they thought were body parts bobbing in the water. But naturally, people had to assume that it was, you know, a mannequin or possibly, like, a hoax. Finally, one man focused on it, and he realized that he was looking at a foot, and he knew what he saw. So he phoned the guards, and this sparked the following investigation. That's a foot! That's a foot right there! <laughs> What's so crazy? I'm so sorry for people who are Irish. <laughs> I think it's the most beautiful dialect you can have. It is. It it literally is. (laughs) That's why I've, like, tried to get it right. But I just can't. Nope, that's... I always say, well, the look of the Irish. The look (laughs) of the Irish be with you. Okay. For a short time, the body in the canal became something of a public spectacle. The body parts were collected. They were then pieced together back in the morgue. There, we were able to discover that the deceased had been stabbed in excess of 20 times. So they don't really know how many times. Mm. There were no defensive wounds, which meant that the deceased had not been able to defend himself. Yeah. And initially, because of the effects of the water, the guards thought that this was actually a white Caucasian man, but then realized that it was actually just the water which had bleached the skin. With the, you know, the wrinkly washerwoman effect. When you get your fingers wet in a really long time, oh, they get paler. So yeah. that the same thing like happens across your entire body, apparently. Okay. So, when the human puzzle was complete... This is when they realized that there was no head and no genitals. I'm assuming <laughs> they knew before that, but it's yeah, funny that, you know. that they realized it then. So these were the first alarms, really. Not the fact that it was like a dismembered body. That was the first alarm. No, no. It was that there were genitals and a head missing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they were considering if this was actually a ritual murder. And they needed to obviously identify who this was so that they can, well, you know, trace back and just find out who the dude was. Yeah. So the ritual killing theory remained a significant line of inquiry for the police. They were very much of the belief that this was a ritual killing from the beginning, since at the time there had been a very high profile case in the UK called the Torso and the Thames. This was a ritual killing of a black child. If I remember correctly, it was a child who had been trafficked to Britain solely to be killed in a ritual. That's awful. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly... Oh, this was not a good sentence to follow what I just said. Mm. And then they got lucky. Sorry. Okay. Then they got lucky with a Crime Stopper poster when somebody actually came forward and identified a football jersey which had been found with the body mm. and was now featured on the poster. A friend of Farah had recognized the jersey and realized that he hadn't heard from him or seen him for some time. And it, well, he put two and two together. Yeah. He also recalled that the jersey was the same jersey for all was wearing when they met on the March 20th. Mm. This was the first major break in the case. And as a result of the phone call from the friend, they were able to identify for all and that he had, in fact, been in the company of the Mulhall sisters on that same day. The guard were now able to start to build up a profile of who this victim was and who could be responsible. But then again, they needed to forensically be able to prove what happened. The guard had traced down or interviewed the girl who he had had a son with. She had been following the news and had a strong feeling about who they'd found. Mm. So it was no surprise to her when the guard one day came a knocking. 
this is when she provided DNA from her son, which was matched to the body of Farah. Oh, wow. They got a warrant to search the residence where the murder had taken place because they knew they knew it was the Mohal sisters. So yeah. they knew where to look. They connected the dots. Yeah. They found that a part of the carpet was missing. So they called in forensic examiners to see if there was anything left there in the house that could give them any idea of what had happened. The problem with the scene was that it had been lived in by two separate sets of tenants since Kathleen. It had been painted and redecorated. So chances of finding blood was very small. Initially, when they entered the bedroom, no blood sitting was visible. But on examination, they discovered that there was quite a lot of small stain, like blood staining present in the bedroom. Mm. The most striking thing was splattered blood staining underneath the base of the bunk beds that were standing in the room. The examiners did mention how incredibly well they had cleaned, though. Because <laughs> the blood staining uh, had ended up in places they just could not reach. Oh, okay. This was also the first time luminol had been used at a crime scene in Ireland. Really? Yes. Oh, fine. Yeah, so that made me excited. Now they're very sure of where Fra had been murdered. But luminol! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yay, luminol! <laughs> okay, the full horror of what happened in Summer Hill in March 2005 was about to be revealed. Mm -hmm. The discovery of body parts in the Royal Canal led to an intensive garden manhunt for the murders of Fra. In August 2005, just racked with conscience in the very fragile state of mind, Linda Mulhall agreed to speak with the Garda. Mm -hmm. Linda had completely unraveled because she was supposed to give a first interview. Mm -hmm. She just freaked and like yeah. just unraveled. Um, and she actually tried to commit suicide and ended up in the hospital after she tried, well, after she slashed her wrists. Mm -hmm. At this time, she was taking a huge amount of drugs. She wasn't sleeping and she was just being eaten alive by what had taken place. Yeah. Uh, she, after the suicide attempt, with the help from her father, arranged an interview with the Garda. She basically just told them everything that had happened that night. The attempted rape, the slashing of the throat, the dismemberment, the dumping, just everything. And according to police, well, the Garda, the confession was extremely emotional. She cried and just everything felt very sincere. Yeah. She realized the enormity of what she had done. And this is when she first mentioned the smell that she got when they were cutting up the remains and how it was just still in her mind and in her nostrils you know the aftermath and how they dismember the body and all those things those must be the things that haunt you the most because it's just traumatic experience in action it's and it's so pro hours. proactive from your part exactly you, you could have stopped you could have stopped after the throat slashing yeah and just like feeling feeling what it feels like to like try to saw just off a yeah, body and part. crushing a neck so it can a head can dislocate from the body yeah and then also again i mean i get i guess that they were like really adrenalized when they when they killed him oh yeah and the thing is that they were a pack they yeah. were three people and they were all okaying each other exactly and you know it was through rage that they killed him as some kind of response to his abuse and his rape advances. Yeah. But then when that kind of leaves you and you're in the bathroom and there's blood absolutely everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I can't even imagine. Uh, I, can, I can imagine that they the entire time sort of knew that it's too late to go back. It's too late to go back. Even yeah. when it wasn't too late to go back, it was too late to go back. Yeah, and when they're like, this is so fucked up. Yeah, this I can't so believe I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Charlotte Mulhall was not as forthcoming. Charlotte was brought in and she claimed that Linda had lied about everything. She said that it was Kathleen, who was the mother, mm -hmm. who had murdered Farah. She seemed to be trying to protect her sister, though. 
but eventually even she realized that the game was over and she couldn't deny it any longer. Yeah. So she admitted to everything and corroborated the full story that Linda had given to the guards. Linda and Charlotte were both charged with murder and pleaded not guilty in the Central Criminal Court. The publicity brought on by this case filled the court with so many people that they had to start turning people away. Their trial took place in October 2006, and it took the jury 18 hours over four days to come up with a verdict, and they thought that they... They thought that it would be like a really quick verdict. It yeah. wasn't. That verdict stated that Linda Mulhall was found guilty of manslaughter, while her sister Charlotte was found guilty of the murder of Farah. What? Mm-hmm. Linda's jury accepted her defense of provocation. At the end of the trial, Linda expressed her gratitude towards the investigation team about the fair way she had been treated, and she was very appreciative of like how they just treated her with respect. Yeah. And she shook hands with the lead investigator. I don't know what that got me, but it sort of just got me. <laughs> yeah. And also, this is a woman who's, you know, living on the fringes of society and kind of, I'm betting that she's not had great experience with police since she's, you know, a drug user. Yeah. And was she, and she the one who was a sex worker as well? No, or? that was Charlotte. Okay. But I think Linda also was very aware of what she'd done and that she might have expected to be treated as, you know, a vicious murderer. Yeah, because she was feeling so guilty. Yeah. Okay. So as stated Charlotte Mulhall was given the mandatory life sentence then because of the murder. And Linda Mulhall was given a 15-year sentence for the manslaughter. Mm. And naturally, both appealed their convictions and both were denied. After Linda's confession, Kathleen completely cut off all contact with her daughters. She fled the country in September 2005. And the Garda weren't able to locate her until January 2008. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Where was she? She was living in England. Oh. Yeah. So Kathleen Mohall voluntarily returned then to Ireland in, the, in February 2008 and was charged with, among other offenses, two counts of giving false information to the Garda about Farah's whereabouts and withholding information which she knew or believed would be of assistance in prosecuting her daughters for Farah's murder. She was also charged with impeding an arrest in the murder investigation. She also pleaded guilty to helping to clean up the crime scene to conceal evidence. Kathleen Mulhall was sentenced to only five years in prison in May 2009. The thing is, the tragedy of this case wasn't over, though. In December 2005, so we're going back four years from Kathleen's sentence, mm-hmm. the pressure became too much for John Mulhall, he, so he wrote a suicide letter on the back of a 50-year note and killed himself. Mm-hmm. Linda's daughter, Nikita, has praised her mother's actions, saying... She took a dirty rapist off the streets. Nikita actually broke the family's silence for the first time when her mother was released last year in 2018. Oh, shit. She stated, you've done your time, Linda. Go live your life. You deserve it. Linda, now 42, if my math is correct, it probably isn't. Linda actually fell in love with a guard during her imprisonment. Really? Yes. And they were very much a couple. They went on to plan a life together. During her stay in prison, she worked at the jail salon with her sister. Their salon, which was named by the inmates, was called Head and Shoulders. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> it was totally an inside joke for what they'd done. That's so good. Linda Mulhall was released last year then, having served over 12 years of a 15-year sentence, and Charlotte still remains in prison. Yeah. The two women were given the most notorious nickname in Irish criminal history, which they hate to this day since it portrays them as monsters. They were branded the Scissor Sisters. Yeah, that has a lot of different connotations. Yeah. So closing thoughts. Mm -hmm. I found this case really interesting in many aspects, but first and foremost, the fact that it's called Ireland's worst crime is really interesting. 
And I think solely that has to do with the fact that women were the perpetrators. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very gruesome to think that women were doing that, I guess. Exactly. And I feel that society has an expectation of men being violent and aggressive and that women should be complacent, innocent, and demure. I believe somehow it's seen that man is only taking part of his nature when he's violent while a woman is diverting from her nature. That's a good point. So when a woman commits a crime that is similar to like what a man would commit, it's so much worse in society's eye. It's the, how could she? She's a mother. You know, now this is called one of Ireland's worst crimes. And I'm not saying that fraud deserved to die. Mm. He's a piece of shit, though. But he did deserve to get some sort of the justice system should have done something with him let's just put it at that long time ago. yeah taking care of him a long time ago because it was just a real piece of human waste yeah but do i feel that they received two harsh punishments yeah i do i actually do all of them or just because charlotte got life in prison and then linda got a 15 year sentence yeah but i mean you i mean yeah charlotte i feel too a life sentence is too harsh yeah but Linda, I mean, 15 years. And she got out in 12. Exactly. I guess it's fair. It's just that I just feel that they were, especially Linda was very complacent in helping in the investigation. And we can't deny the fact that the attack was provoked. Question is, what would have happened if they had just stopped after they slit his throat and immediately called the guard up? Because that's the thing, too. You know, this is severe overkill. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point, yeah, it's justified and it's self-defense and it's you know, maybe acting based on adrenaline and fear, but then he's knocked out. Yeah. And you're stabbing him over 20 times. Exactly. And then you're concealing it. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't, they definitely did not plan to kill him that day. And I think that their drug-induced minds were just thinking so short-term. And like we said, the pack mentality just made it okay somehow. Yeah. And people say that, they say that the dismemberment and the concealment of the body showed how calculated they were, but were they? I mean, mm. they threw bags of body parts very close to their house in the water and they floated up to the surface pretty much immediately. And they hit his head so that it was literally peeking out of the ground. <laughs> peeking out of the ground. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think they, yeah, they shouldn't have tried to cover up, but they did not, like, plan it. It wasn't a calculated no. idea. And I think there is a shock element to it and the sensualization dismemberment sells papers, especially like the mutilation of genitals and especially if it's a penis. Yeah. They definitely deserve to be punished. I mean, you have to. You have to. But I don't know. I just feel that life imprisonment was not a fair thing to give them. And I feel that Kathleen should have gotten five fucking years. And she was, especially if she did say kill him for me. And she fled. And she fled and she just, you know what? My children, my babies, I'm going to leave you and you're going to have to just, you know, fix this mess yourself. Bye. Toodles. Yeah, which is kind of what she did when she left her husband. Exactly. And and her family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's it's always so difficult to talk about like uh, child abuse cases when you have a violent parent who is violent to their partner and the mother of the children or the father. But, you know, it's commonly the mother who's being abused, abused. And that whole thing of like escaping to save yourself, Mm -hmm. but leaving your kids behind to kind of pick up the pieces or to maybe take the fall from a now enraged father yeah, I, the thing is that I don't know if the children were ever abused. No? I don't know that. It is alleged that 
Kathleen was abused, but yeah. I do not know if the children were abused. Okay, because it sounded like a violent household exactly. with a lot of alcohol abuse and, and drug abuse. But I do not know if he ever hit the children. Yeah. Not- well, that's me alleging that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but of course, I feel like it's very common in, in households like that when the environment is just very ill like it's it's toxic it's a sick and toxic environment and uh it just kind of builds on each other one thing becomes a stepping stone to the next horrible thing yeah and it just creates this really messed up childhood for a lot of kids they had a lot of kids they had six kids in the yeah. household and a lot of the other kids in the family i think at the time of the murder two kids were in jail at that time oh. two of the other kids already but the thing is they didn't have a chance they didn't have they a just chance. didn't have a chance and yeah you're and not almost you're you're not surprised almost yeah and man it's so hard too because like i don't want to say that murder is justified and especially when there's such an overkill but god that guy i mean if anyone deserved it it was him that is sort of what i'm feeling and he wouldn't have stopped if yeah. he had you know, I could definitely see this piece of shit trying to, ki- like, killing a woman. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah Just the so... fact that he's punching people, like, punching women. Yeah. Threatening them with knives and raping them. Yeah. And, like, his <laughs> ex or past victim yeah. had said that, you know, she was certain that he was going to kill her. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of the time, men who are violent towards their partners or towards women in general there's this escalation of rage that's not being controlled Mm -hmm. and assuming that that will stop before death ensues is very naive i think oh yeah 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 yeah. if you don't really fucking step on it yeah i'm also curious as to what he would have gotten if he'd killed one of them would he also have gone by from jail because you hear people murdering their spouses and not getting life a life sentence yeah I don't know. I I wonder also how people would have seen if his junk wasn't cut off, if I'm going to be completely honest, because it feels like there's something about mutilating a man's penis that just takes, oh my God, that's the absolute worst thing that could happen. No, it is really, really viewed as like the epitome of like mutilation for a human body. Oh, the penis. The penis being cut off. Or the epitome of insanity in a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Taking a man's masculinity from him because a lot of men identify solely with their penises as, as personalities. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, so so what's your personality? Oh, yeah, it's, it's long. Let me check. <laughs> it's got good girth. <laughs> Solid. Uh, no, but we've talked about that before, that there's this very phallic-centric uh, view on mutilation cases when men are involved as victims. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, that it feels like it's almost emphasized because women were the offenders in this case, or at least the murderers. Yeah. Because like when, when you describe a female way of killing, it's usually pretty nonviolent. Well, yeah. I mean, like you can hear from any true crime podcast, they do the poison. The poison, or they, or they... stage a suicide by hanging yeah it's not as violent as more calculated and it's often a very well thought out murder and also if criminal minds carries any true fact (laughs) then it is less likely for a woman to kill herself by shooting herself yeah than it is for a man for example because there's that aspect of like the afterthought of like the mess people are gonna have to clean up (laughs) a woman even thinks 
at the time of her death, I don't want to make my death difficult for anyone else. Yeah, that's a bit from Criminal Minds, so I don't know if that is straight fact. <laughs> no, but, but I, I mean, I've seen like two fact. seasons; they've been pretty accurate so far. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joanna. So we actually did pretty similar similar cases. Yeah, which is insane. So apparently, siblings who kill do it the same way. <laughs> And, but we were talking about that, and I promised that I was going to reference a little bit further on to it. Uh, but that whole thing we were talking about with tabloids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because both you and I had a hard time getting solid information on our cases. Yes, because it's so fucking exaggerated yeah everything and this is both you and i had cases that are so perfect for tabloids and the headlines you can just work with amazing disgusting headlines forever and i when i was researching there was so so many skewed facts like the sisters were twins and they killed together and they it's like no they weren't 10 years apart and then like the scissor sisters they were they cut his penis off with the passes no well they sliced it off or beat it i don't know but you know but then also like the scissor sisters it kind of has that like lesbian undertone oh yeah yeah yeah. that's like that's also very prevalent in how female killers are it's always sex it's always a bit sexy when women kill or sexualized in some how like oh and they made out right after oh they're crazy yeah. and they're uh, like uh, sex crazed uh, yeah sex crazed lunatics that cut off a man's penis yeah yeah and oh, a lot of tabloids didn't get the mom's name right really yeah I was like kathleen thank you yeah and because i was thinking that maybe my case was being hard to research because like i said it took place in argentina so the source material is going to be in spanish but, like, there were so many articles where, like I said, it was like they were recycling the same source material, mm-hmm. like having translated the Spanish news outlets, and then just kind of moved around the paragraphs in their individual texts. But there was still many, like, inconsistencies. I think there's also this, you know, remember the telephone game? Yeah. So, you know, you have one uh, newspaper and then someone recycles that and it changes a tiny bit and then it's recycled from that and recycled until the case is just like not what it was from the beginning. Yeah. And the thing is that also that each article or newspaper, they want to beat the other. So they might change it or tweak it or exaggerate a headline or whatever. And the, that changes the story and that changes the truth. And it's just so fucking frustrating. And this is how it's been throughout time, yeah. if you think about it. And then also, there's the thing that, like, both of our cases are incredibly tabloid-friendly. Oh, like, yeah, they do not just, need elaboration. No, they do not. But still, like, in my case, for example, there was references to necrophilia performed on the mother in one article, which I don't, I didn't see that in any other articles. Like, it said that he did those acts over her body Mm -hmm. which might have been like a way for him to disrespect or like deface the corpse okay but it's like she was never intended to be a victim of his she was just kind of collateral damage that he didn't feel bad about because he didn't think that she was a good mom yeah more like it he felt she was a horrible mom or quote a whore and a drunkard i was like (laughs) yeah Um, i just saw the the spike on the sound (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that (laughs) oh i'd like to add that johanna is the one who cuts all the episodes yeah sorry no no i meant that as a like give her credit because she's cool and she's awesome (laughs) (laughs) and i'm the one who (laughs) you i have opinions on how you've done it (laughs) but you're making the fucking graphics for us i am making the graphics major the people have already seen it by now (laughs) 
episode. <laughs> Who are you? I'm so sorry. I I can just feel the hunger right now yeah, raging through my body. Let's okay. So, Johanna, what have you learned this week? Ooh, I have learned that there are very, very fucked up cases out there that I have not heard of yet. Mm-hmm. That was something that I wasn't expecting because when we decided on siblings... I was like, oh, the Menendez brothers or, you know, the... The broken arrow killings. Exactly. But, okay, I just want to put this out there because this is what we talked about when you're... Because both you and I wanted to do the broken arrow killings. And I'm asking everyone who's going to do a true crime podcast from this down, just don't do that case because they killed their parents because they wanted to be famous. Yeah. They wanted to be the greatest serial killers throughout time and do not give them that. Let history forget them. Yeah. Just do that, please. Yeah, it sucks for the victims, though. It's terrible, and their children involved. Okay, we're not going to talk more about this. No, <laughs> no. But what I was saying was that you know it sucks because by forgetting the killers, we forget the victims as well. Very, yeah. And their stories are not being told. But I don't care about Frost though. <laughs> Frog can Frog can fuck himself yeah. with his <laughs> with his non-existent penis. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go have. <laughs> so fucked up to be like yeah he can fuck himself with his <laughs> chopped off penis <laughs> so let's go eat now <laughs> okay and i learned first and foremost i saw the trailer for aladdin uh, the live oh, action honey. i learned that that's gonna be a shitty movie <laughs> i'm so disappointed and as a disney freak i'm just disney if you can hear this get your shit together know your audience Linnea <laughs> takes disney very seriously uh which you oh, will yeah. know if you've seen her instagram <laughs> Yeah, get your shit together. Yeah, looks like a Hallmark movie that got a lot of extra money so they could make Will Smith blue. <laughs> uh, okay, that's what I learned. And I learned that I can actually really, I got really fascinated. And I, I haven't really been sucked in, into a case really yet. Yeah. And this one really sucked me in. And yeah. I really, I felt for the people who were convicted and that has not happened a lot of times for me. No, you're usually very uh, strict with yeah. with that. And this was, it was a great case. It was really great for me. Great, 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 great case. <laughs> it, great was, case. it was gray in the, it, it was in a gray area for me. Oh, like, you said gray. I thought you said great. Oh. <laughs> great case. Great <laughs> No, no, it was case. just in a very gray area concerning what is right and what is wrong and morals and shit. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to wrap up because we got to go feed ourselves. But (laughs) do high winds and mermaids and may you live for as long as you want. We're only here for a short time, so make sure to live and not fear. Have a good week, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.